My passion for being in the field of culturally and linguistically diverse learners really came from a sense of empathy because I had always thought about if I was in their place, would I be struggling with language? Students come to us already whole. I'm not looking at their English proficiency level as a deficit. I'm looking at how I can increase their English proficiency to what they're already bringing. Welcome to the podcast for school and district leaders, where we provide a window into innovation in school systems across the country. Each week, we speak with a leader in K-12 who is solving problems in creative ways. From Frontline Education, this is Field Trip. Today, we're talking with Terry Messiarchin from CISA 2, that's Cooperative Educational Service Agency 2, in Wisconsin. Terry works to provide high-quality professional development, needs assessments, and program support to school districts and teachers with culturally and linguistically diverse learners. She also spent 11 years in the Clintonville School District as an ESL teacher and administrator coordinating Title III programs and 21st Century Community Learning Centers. Terry, thanks for being here. Thank you, Ryan. I'm excited to be with you today. You have a background in working with English language learners, and I would love for you to tell me, why be passionate about working with these students? What is it that draws you to them and that has made you say, this is where I want to spend my educational career? It actually started in a Spanish classroom when I was in high school. People may think, what does a white monolingual person from Wisconsin um, have to do with second language learners, but actually, as a high school Spanish student, I struggled quite a bit. And there was a time when the teacher pulled me aside and said to me, I've looked through your school records. You are on the honor roll. You're president of National Honor Society, but you're struggling in Spanish. And I can't find anywhere a documented learning disability. What do you think is going on with Spanish? And why are you having such a difficult time learning it? So my passion for being in the field of culturally and linguistically diverse learners really came from a sense of empathy because I had always thought about if I was in their place, would I be struggling with language? Terry wonders if she were in the shoes of these non-native English speakers, what impact would her own difficulty learning a new language have on her education? Would she be seen as having a learning disability? Or would she even be referred for special education? I think, first of all, I would not have been as successful in the classroom as I was in the American classrooms that I was in because I'm an English speaker. And one of the things that I have thought about also is that when I look at my career and the education that I've had and the enjoyment that I've had from learning, I don't know that those things would have taken place because of the fact that language would have been a barrier for me. And so going on to higher ed, going on to graduate school, and then becoming a teacher and an administrator probably wouldn't have been anywhere in the path that I would have taken if I would be in another country and would have had to learn another language. Terry, are there any other issues that English language learners might frequently face that most people might just not see or be aware of? One of the things that that we know that we see with students and with families is that culture really impacts how students and families interact 
with each other and then with the communities and with the schools. And so oftentimes in schools, we will find that we are very, very passionate about increasing the academic achievement and the English proficiency of our students, which is a great thing to focus on. But in that, we oftentimes will forget that culture is also a piece that impacts the work and the things that students do in the classroom. That culture, Terry told me, is not just something that's theoretical or in the background. It has significant real-world effects, like when they send home notes encouraging parents to sign up for parent-teacher conferences. We wouldn't get those notes back. So what we did is we started calling the parents, and because oral language and oral communication for this particular group of parents was so important and the written language wasn't as important, we really found that being able to interact with the parents and the families through the use of their native language orally really then promoted that family to school involvement. And we had our parents signed up for parent-teacher conferences without having to send notes home. We did that through the use of phone calls. Where would you say that school systems need to begin when when they're looking at how they educate ELL students? What thinking is important for districts and for teachers to have as they think about how to work with these students? Well, culture and language are really intertwined. And so I think, first of all, beginning to understand where the students and the families um, are coming from and that they're already coming into our systems whole. So oftentimes we'll think, There's a problem that we need to fix. The student doesn't speak enough English, and that's a problem. And how are we going to fix it? When really, if we can look at the students already bringing in assets to our system and not deficits, then we can say, all right, a student's at this specific language proficiency in English. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to add to that. So it's really about looking at the assets that the families and the students bring rather than seeing them as deficits. How have you seen this play out as you work with teachers and help them to come alongside English language learners with this concept in mind? Have you seen aha moments in the educators that you're working with? Absolutely, which is one of the reasons why I continue to do this work. So we've had situations where very specifically a teacher will give um, a writing assessment to a student to a group of students. And the English learner may not have the correct endings. They might have, rather than ED, they might put a T because that's the way it sounds. Um, The ING might be missing sometimes. There's um, structural and grammatical pieces of the writing that the teacher will say is incorrect. So the student has made a number of mistakes or errors. And when we work with teachers, one of the things that we try to do is reframe that to say that students don't make errors, they manifest their language proficiency. So rather than um, a teacher saying, oh, they've made all these mistakes, when we say, okay, really what they're doing is they're showing you your language proficiency. And from you as the teacher being able to see where they're at with their English proficiency in writing, then you can provide scaffolds and supports so that that student can increase their English proficiency. And again, that has really taken a hold with teachers and allowed them to say, okay, our students aren't making errors. They're only manifesting their language proficiency to us. I asked Terry what she sees as she works with districts who want to improve the way that they work with English language learners. What challenges most commonly arise? She said, identifying which program model will work best in a given school system is one. 
and then once a model has been chosen, implementing it and building staff capacity to support that model can also be a challenge. Terry said that siloed information is also something she sees. For instance, departments not talking to one another. Oftentimes that will happen when the response to intervention, or in the state of Wisconsin, we call it the multiple level systems of support. But within that um, MLSS, we will see that interventionists and teachers who are working with students, particularly in reading and math, may or may not have had conversations with the English language, the bilingual teachers, to be able to understand what supports they can provide the students within the given context that they're working with the students. So sometimes those can be siloed out. And then another place where we see some silos um, and really work hard to break those down are within the classroom that the students are in. When the student spends the majority of the day in the classroom, if there isn't time for the bilingual or the English learner teacher to be able to co-plan with that teacher, then those curriculums that the teachers are teaching really get siloed out and there's a disconnect between what's happening in the classroom and then with the English learner teacher or the bilingual program. When you work with districts, what is your goal? What is it that would make you say, we really accomplished what we set out to do here? One of the things that we continually work on with districts is being able to have all of the students in their district reach their full potential. And so when we are able to support the district and support the teachers to be able to understand how to work with culturally and linguistically diverse learners so that they can reach their full potential and they aren't held back by any of the systems that are in the schools, that to me is the reason that I do this work. Paint a picture for me. Uh, You work with a district. They really make a lot of progress in working with ELL students. What does that actually look like on the ground? First of all, in the classroom, we would see that students would be engaging in the conversations that are taking place in the classroom, in the activities that are taking place, both during instruction and assessment, regardless of the student's English proficiency level. So those teachers are scaffolding or differentiating the instruction and the assessment so that English learners are engaged and active at all times. At um, more of a building level, we would also see the families being volunteers in the schools, in the classrooms, also participating in activities that take place outside of school. And then we would also see, um, particularly at middle school and high school levels, the students involved in co-curricular activities, whether it's sports, music, art, whatever it might be, but that the students have full access to everything that takes place in the district or in the building, and that parents are also participating in those activities to be able to support their students. What strategies do you employ to help districts and educators progress in this way? Well, one of the things, um, depending on the district and the district's desires and, and their outcomes, what they want, There are times when I will come in and we will utilize an EL rubric to be able to self-evaluate where the district is at in certain areas related to educating English learners, many of what we just talked about. Um, If staff are differentiating, if the parents are involved, if students are engaged, how the assessments are being used to inform instruction. And then what we'll do from there is typically build the capacity of staff by working with the staff and being able to provide some foundational learning 
so that staff really begin to understand the needs of the culturally and linguistically diverse learners, both at the language level and at the cultural level. And we've had some really great aha moments when we go through the foundations for second language acquisition with staff, and they begin to realize that multilingualism is an asset rather than a deficit that the students bring to the classroom, and that the students' use of their native language and the students' use of their background knowledge related to their native culture are really going to support those students in being able to become more proficient in English. Let's say you're working with a bilingual teacher in a given class. What does it look like to work with them so that they're considering their role in terms of the function of language rather than as an expert on the content of that course? This is one of the areas in the field of English language acquisition and English language development that has really excited me over the years. One of the things that we know is that the content teacher is the content expert and that when an EL teacher comes in to support that, that those students in the content class, that they're really bringing their knowledge of the English language and linguistic supports to be able to support the content. And so when you have a language expert in a classroom and a content expert in the classroom, and they're working together, that really can provide full access for the students to be able to develop their language proficiency, but then also be able to access the curriculum. Can you think of any vignettes or, or are you picturing any stories in your mind when you think about working with teachers in this way? Well, we have done work with teachers in co-teaching, and that has been a field that has been increasing over the past um, seven to eight years. And so in our co-teaching models, often what we will see is the math teacher, for instance, We'll start the math class, we'll give the content or learning target for the curriculum or for the content that day. And then what the language teacher will do is they will say, how are we going to learn that? So how will language be used in order to access that content? And the content teacher will work together to be able to provide all of the students in the class, not just the English learners, but all of the students in the class, the ability to have the supports that they need linguistically to be able to access the content. So whether that's providing a sentence frame, whether that is allowing students to um, build oracy, their oral language before they move into a reading and writing activity, whether that is pulling a small group of students aside. Sometimes we've seen those groups include other students besides English learners. So there might be native English speakers and English learners in the same group that are being pre-taught or retaught based upon the language needs that they have. And then the whole class is able to work together to achieve that content goal. But it is that content goal is achieved through the use of not only access to the content, but then those linguistic supports that are provided. When you describe the whole class working together, do you see English language learners working with native English speakers? And does that component play a role as well? So purposeful grouping is definitely one of the things that the EL teacher and the content area teacher talk about. There are times when the native speakers and the English language learners are absolutely doing group work together. And that is incredibly powerful because they can both support each other in the, in the learning that's taking place. There are times when we might want um, a group of English learners 
to be by themselves, particularly if they need to access their native language in order to understand the content that's being taught. So that purposeful grouping is one of the pieces in co-teaching that we really want the content and the language teacher to be able to understand so that they can use it effectively and be able to impact the um, proficiency levels of, of the students in the class. I asked Terry to talk about how they work with teachers to build this capacity and equip them to work with English language learners more effectively. What professional learning has been effective? One of the things that we will do is um, to, first of all, give them a foundation in the various models of co-teaching and then really allow them to practice those models. So if we've got one teach and one assist, where one teacher is teaching and the other teacher is assisting students, we allow them to practice that. But then we talk about the pros and the cons of that. Because often when co-teaching is implemented, but the teachers don't have time to plan, like the language teacher might just be a paraprofessional in the classroom and not another teacher. And so as part of our training, we really work to, so that teachers are able to understand all of the various co-teaching models and be able to use them when um, it, they need to be used within the instruction that's taking place in the classroom. One of the things then that we do after we go through the co-teaching models is allow them time to practice. But um, one of the very effective ways that we have been able to have discussions about this is to do an activity called a fishbowl. And teachers use fishbowls in classrooms, but we use fishbowls a lot in our professional development also, so that we have different groups of um, educators practicing whatever task they've been given. And then we will have one of those groups of educators reenact the way that they did that task, that they completed the task with everyone else watching, hence the fishbowl. And then we are able to discuss what um, took place in that reenactment and really have some great coaching conversations around what that looks like so that the teachers are able to take that information back into the classroom. I'd like to pivot and look at this from the student's perspective for a moment. How have you seen in the lives of individual students the results of what you're doing? Well, the students really are the entire reason that I'm in this field. Again, like I had mentioned earlier, that empathy piece um, runs very strong within me. And so building relationships with students is an important part of the work that we do. It is a lot of fun to be able to see students start to smile, start to understand what's going on in the classroom, to not only engage in the content because they're using language, but then also to interact with teachers to be able to tell jokes and have fun in the classroom is is so rewarding. Talk to me about the work that you do with parents and families. How are, how are you bringing them into this whole process? How are you coming alongside of teachers and districts to incorporate parents and families into this? And, and why is it important? Again, it really depends on the needs of the district. There have been some districts that have been at the very beginning stages of engaging the parents in the schools. And so there have been some schools that I have actually worked with teachers to create family activities revolving typically around reading. And um, I will help them to purchase wordless books or books in the native language of the parents. And then um, we will put together activities that the parents are able to attend so that they're able to do some literacy activities with their, with their children. 
and begin to understand a little bit about what happens in the schools. There have been other schools that have started that process but want to refine it. And so I will attend those family nights to be able to observe and see how parents are interacting with the uh, school community members and then also be able to give feedback on what might be some ways that the districts or the buildings can strengthen those relationships with parents. One of the best family night activities I ever went to was in a school district that had received an immigrant grant. And so they had a number of immigrants that were in the community within the last three years. And what the school did is they worked to have different organizations in the community um, and different community members basically have like a little fair, a community fair where the public library was there, the local community education program was there, the superintendent from the district was there to be able to um, talk to the parents about the various activities that take place in schools. The communications director was there from the school. The tech person was there from the school to help the parents be able to understand how to log on to the computer systems. And so the parents and the families that attended really were able to see themselves in the community because of the various community organizations that had attended and the various um, school district staff that had attended. And it was just a really great opportunity for both the school and the families to be able to connect and for the parents to really see themselves within that school and community. What does it look like for a district to be proactively involved with families as opposed to reactively involved? One of the things that we've seen with districts when they have been proactive with involving the families from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds is really to be able to um, not just say, let's meet at school, or I'm only sending this home in writing. It's more of how are we able to reach out to the families? So it, home visits are something that schools who can reach parents do quite often because they're able to visit the parents. Um, they bring interpreters to be able to interpret and translate the meetings. So the parents are able to speak in their native language and, and be understood and vice versa. And then also the schools really look to communicate with the parents in a way that's meaningful to them. And sometimes that isn't always sending a note home. Sometimes that is making a phone call. Barriers for language aren't prohibiting the involvement of the parents, that the schools do things to be able to have the parents involved, regardless of the language that they speak. You have been involved in working with English language learners for some time. And if you were to go back to the beginning of your career and could could impart some knowledge or information to yourself at that point in time as you were just beginning this work, what would that be? And by extension, what what can our listeners who are hearing this, uh, leaders in, in K-12 organizations across the country, take from what you have learned over your years in this field? I think one of the things, if I were to go back at the beginning, um, that I would definitely want to remember is that students come to us already whole. So again, I'm not looking at their English proficiency level as a deficit. I'm looking at how I can add or increase their English proficiency to what they're already bringing. Students bring with them a wealth of knowledge from their native culture. They bring with them a wealth of knowledge from their native language. And so really being able to see the students as whole and then thinking about how I'm adding 
to what they're already bringing definitely would have helped me when I first started in the field. Because one of the things that I think teachers and schools often feel pressure about is students making that academic progress. We absolutely have to focus on that. But sometimes we do that in a way that um, has us speaking about students in deficits rather than seeing them as assets. For my last question, I would love for you to peer into the future a little bit and say, based upon your experience, based upon what you see happening in the world today, what do you think is coming next for education and working with English language learners? What would you say would be the best thing that we can do to prepare for 2018, 2019, 2025, and going forward? We know that relationships are incredibly important. Relationships with families, relationships with students, relationships with each other as educators, relationships with our administrators. And so I think that as we move forward, really thinking about how we're building positive relationships that allow everyone within the school systems, the educators, the administrators, the parents, the students, to all reach their full potential is one of the things that as we move forward, we really need to be able to do. Terry Meziarchin has been speaking to us from CESA 2 in Wisconsin, where she works with districts and teachers looking to provide high-quality instruction to learners with different cultural and linguistic backgrounds. Terry, thank you for speaking with us today about this topic. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and almost anywhere else fine audio is served. Field Trip is a production from Frontline Education, bringing you the Frontline Insights platform, a holistic software solution for K-12, designed to help you better recruit, hire, engage, retain, and grow your employees, and provide unparalleled insights into what's happening in your district. For Frontline Education, I'm Ryan Estes. Have a great day.